everyone, I'm Cheryl McNeil Fisher. Dr. Kathy King and I want you to know you are important to us. We are thrilled that you're here with us today for another episode of Writing Works Wonders. Welcome to Writing Works Wonders. We're so pleased you're with us for episode 105. It is the Writing Works Wonders open mic event. And we are excited to bring to you the very best and talented original writers reading their work just for you. And most of our readers are from the ACB larger community. So we're very, very pleased about that, that this is a way to showcase the work within the visually impaired community. So this is your opportunity to sit back relax, and put on your favorite earbuds because it's time to enjoy open mic with your friends at Writing Works Wonders. I'm Kathy King, and I'm so pleased to introduce you to my fabulous co-host, Cheryl McNeil Fisher. Hi, Kathy, and uh, you are the master of the universe, my ma our master of our website. So glad you're here. And if you want to know why Kathy says master of the universe, You'll have to listen in and read the web design for authors. Would anyone like to read the response to their prompt before we get started? It was science fiction and you had 100 words or less. Of Marlene Massot. Close encounter with life. Had I been zapped, my whole body felt tingly alive. I knew I stared, blinked. They stood there still. Yellow, green, oval-shaped, lashless eyes glowing. Slowly, I raised my left hand to pull the heavy, long, dark brown hair away from my neck and back. Then dropped my hand to clutch the unforgiving blanket. Each mimicked my movement, but their arms were thin tubes with two claws at the end, hairless, thinned heads. I shook my head. So did they. Cold. What is real? Am I in my room or on some spaceship? Is this dream or abduction? The end. Terrific. Whoa. So I'll turn it back over to you, Kathy, so we can get started. We're so excited. We always enjoy open mic events on Writing Works Wonders. As I said, it's an opportunity to celebrate the talent within our community. And we're always pleased at the variety of genres which come out of the woodwork and come onto the airwaves with us as we enjoy fiction, nonfiction, humor, poetry, you name it. We never know what the mixture will be at a given open mic. So over to you, Chanel. First up, we have Christine Amston. Hello, I am going to read the beginning of my novel, Cassie Scott, Paranormal Detective with the para in paranormal crossed out. 
A quick blurb, Cassie Scott is the normal daughter of powerful sorcerers born between worlds but belonging to neither. At 21, all she wants is to find a place for herself, but earning a living as a private investigator in the shadow of her family's reputation isn't easy. When she is pulled into a paranormal investigation and tempted by a powerful and handsome sorcerer, she will have to decide where she belongs. Chapter 1. My parents think the longer the name, the more powerful the sorcerer. So they named me Cassandra Morgan Ursula Margaret Scott. You can call me Cassie. I've been called a lot of things in my life, normal, ordinary, and even a disappointment. After the Harry Potter books came out, a couple of people called me a squib. Since I haven't read them, I have to assume it's a compliment. Personally, I prefer normal, which is why the sign on my office door reads, Cassie Scott, normal detective. You have to understand that around here, when your last name is Scott, people are easily confused. Not only are my parents powerful practitioners, but I have six talented brothers and sisters. Plus, my family hasn't always been known for it subtly. When weird stuff happens around here, the people who are willing to believe in magic are prone to suspect the Scots. The day I opened for business, I got a call from an old woman who swore her cat was possessed by the devil. She also swore she'd read my website, which clearly stated the types of work I did and did not do. Exorcisms were on the no list. And while I hadn't specified pet exorcisms, I would have thought it was implicit. After that auspicious beginning, things went downhill. It seemed people weren't entirely convinced an associate's degree in six months as a deputy with the local sheriff's department was quite enough to fly solo. I did receive three calls from people asking me to cast spells to look for lost items, two from people in search of love potions, and two from a pair of neighbors who each wanted me to curse the other. I thought I'd hit rock bottom when a 10-year-old boy wandered into my office one afternoon and asked me to help him summon Cthulhu. It was a near thing, but I managed to rein in my sarcasm long enough to explain the difference between the real world and horror worlds created by early 20th century authors. He seemed more or less convinced until my brother Nicholas came in and started juggling fireballs. Kind of walked all over my point there. He's a terrible show off. Thanks to help some of the women. For some reason, it does. Sheriff David Adams, my old boss, stopped by every couple of weeks to check in on me and offer me my old job back, but I always turned him down. It's not that I disliked working for him. In fact, he was a great boss and a good person, albeit in a little over his head. Eagle Rock, Missouri, and the surrounding areas have more than their fair share of strange and unexplained cases. I'd even say that I took the job hoping to use my better-than-average knowledge of the paranormal to help protect the innocent. But in the end, those cases only served to remind me that despite my magical connections, I too was in over my head. So I quit. I got my private license, rented an office, and installed a frosted glass door like in all the old movies. Then I furnished it with a sort of busted up furniture that cost an arm and a leg to make it look just right. The old wooden filing cabinets behind the desk and the office chairs in front came from estate sales. But I finished the desk myself. It was a beautiful piece of lacquered mahogany before my hammer and screwdriver got through with it. I did that just after the cat exorcism call. It was rather therapeutic. By the door stood an old wooden hat and coat rack with a nearby, while a, while a nearby table held a coffee maker, compliments of my father. I don't actually drink coffee, but dad told me to have some for my customers, so I brewed a pot every morning while I waited for my tea to steep. It was June 7th, a Monday. I'd spent six months in that office going to work at 8 o'clock, breaking for lunch at noon, then going home at 5. 
that day started like all the others. I updated my Facebook post uh, uh, to say that I was at work and happy, though that last was a lie. I checked a few of my favorite blogs, posted a couple of comments that I'm sure were witty and insightful, though I suspect no one read them, and tweeted that I just posted the comments to the blogs. After that, I uh, picked up my Kindle and buried myself in some mystery novel I'd already solved by page 37. When the door opened, I was sure it would be Sheriff Adams in for his bi-weekly chat. As the months wore on with no sign of a client, it was becoming harder to politely turn him away. In recent weeks, my replies had become more blunt, bordering on rude. I'd really hoped he wouldn't come around that day on my half-year anniversary, but just in case he did, I'd come up with a story about a statewide convention I was sure would help me find work. Well, the convention part was true, the certainty less so. All I can say is it was a good thing my parents were rich. I lowered my Kindle and raised my eyes to the door. The words, hi, Sheriff, started to spill from my mouth when I realized it wasn't the Sheriff at all. It was Frank Lloyd from Lloyd and Lyons, a man I knew more by name and reputation than anything else. My boyfriend had a summer internship with him, and a good friend of mine worked there as a receptionist. Lloyd and Lyons specialized in family law, especially divorces, and the gist of the reputation was that if your marriage was over, you'd better get to Frank Lloyd before your soon-to-be ex did. He looked impressive. His head nearly touched the top of the door frame while his broad shoulders aimed for the side. He wore an expensive dark gray suit that had been tailored to fit his athletic frame. His face was long and handsome, featuring deep, dark eyes and a wide, curving mouth that formed into a friendly smile. It was a sort of face that commanded trust. Lightning flashed outside, brightening the room for the space of a few seconds, and I couldn't help but smile. All the best stories started in a thunderstorm, didn't they? I had no idea what the day would bring, but one thing was for certain. Frank Lloyd was not there to ask me to exercise his cat. That is my stopping point. Thank you. Next up is Marlene. Thank you, Chanel. God is Poetry, Sonnet by Marlene Massad. God is poetry in constant motion with the rhythmic breathing of the ocean. His mercies are new every new morn. He shines rainbows after life-changing storms. Springtime sprouts with all things beginning new. Summer flows with nature blending life's hue. Autumn blends with spicy color flavor. Winter wonder, icy crystal favor. Set your mind to awesome power ponder. He is sovereign, showing us his wonder. Powerful and numerous, he features living, breathing, wonderful, all creatures. Let his awesome mercies to you be known. Let his awesome mercies through you be shown. The next one is Vivid Sunset, Quatrain by Marlene Massar. Like the spontaneous eruption of a volcano, God's handiwork flashes across the sky. In shades of vivid violet, magenta, burning yellow, the sunset reflects God's silent eye. From the voluptuous roar of waterfalls to the vivacious height of sturdy trees, from the painted purples of evening 
to tangerine, ruby, and lemon moon God sees, from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, the vibrance of his handiwork shall always remain. The end. Thank you. Thank you, Marlene. And now, Anne Chipetta. Hi, everyone. It's Annie Chipetta. Um, I have a poem to bring in summertime. Before I begin my part of the poem, I'm going to quote a 1970s camp song. Fried ham, fried ham, cheese and bologna. Pass the macaroni salad, and we'll have onions, pickles, and pretzels. And more, fried ham, fried ham, fried ham. Family trickles in and out. Cool red berry juice for the kids. Humid air captures and tends the aromas. Cooking clouds of sizzling skirt steaks drift like tantalizing culinary canaries, enveloping Pop's sweaty face. Roasted sweet peppers and barbecue chicken and kibasa, sun-drenched or umbrella shady, all day the eating, drinking, talking, and laughing during Pop's summer barbecues. Meat roasting, beans bubbling, hot dogs slathered in bright mustard, chili and kraut, the tang of it cements the good times to tongues and hearts. Pour from the jug of homemade red, or maybe grab a brew, tell jokes or throw darts, and when it's over and the coals burn from red to gray, sing the last song before the night follows the party and ends the day. Thank you. Thank you. Next up is Carol Mackey. Thank you. Great reads. I love listening to everybody read wonderful things. Of two poems. First is going to be the tune of Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. Reading, reading, little dots. If it's easy, I forgot. Here and there and everywhere. I thought I had those dots all there. Reading, reading, little dots. It's not easy. No, it's not. And the next poem is Timed Out. I was sitting on the deck a bit earlier, reading a story in Braille. Doesn't that sound impressive? But I have a different tale. I closed my eyes, no need for them. My fingers are all I use. Then shortly, then shortly after, I realized I had taken a snooze. That's it. Thank you, Carol. Next up is Abby. Hi, everybody. Well, I have three poems to share. This first one is called To My Little Brother After His Wedding. I should have written you this poem on your special day, but until now, almost three months later, the idea didn't occur to me. You once proclaimed my brain was the size of a pea. Go figure. That's water under the bridge. This is about you. 
I was proud to watch you say I do for the second time. It was my pleasure to sing songs that brought you closer amid heat, humidity, and mosquitoes beneath the Florida sun. I'm happy to call your new love my sister-in-law and her daughters my nieces. I only hope you learn from past mistakes. But if I must make a third trip to wherever you are to sing for a third wedding, I'll do it because you're my brother and I love you. And this next one is called Sheridan College Graduation 1980. Amid the thump of running footsteps, five figures clad only in sacks dart across the platform between the podium where the president where the president stands in his finery and chairs where regally clad trustees sit someone must have alerted the campus police because the streakers are apprehended before they reach the exit it said that students plotted this to pay tribute to a retiring faculty member. They may have trouble finding work later unless they seek employment as strippers. And last but not least, this poem, inspired by my years of entertaining seniors in nursing homes and other facilities, is called Western Music and Memories. I play the guitar, sing, rollin', 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 Old cowboys listen, remember driving cattle through swollen streams, tall grass, the sorrowful ball of cows being led to slaughter. I sing, oh, give me a home where the buffalo roam. Voices join in, recalling peaceful evenings on the ranch. I sing, from this valley they say you are going. I'm an old cow hand from the Rio Grande. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. They listen, sing, remember. Thank you. Thank you, Abby. And next is Kathy King. This is uh, an excerpt from chapter 10 of a book in progress. The chapter is called Foibles of Communication. And the book in progress is called Survival and Science Among the Stars, copyrighted 2023, Kathleen P. King and Seamus King. What's happening in this chapter is that uh, de developments unfold in the off-ship settlement of Colony 555, Director of Security, Phil, and Assistant Director of Research, Dr. Bridget McCabe, and the Mars security team are chasing down rumors and leads to try to shut down a threat to the multi-species research project. What could possibly go wrong? Chapter 10, Mission Day 35, Location, 
on the Colony 555, 1800 hours. Outdoors on Colony 555, Dr. Bridget McCabe battled through high winds. After she trudged forward, she thought, so far, this planet didn't make her top 10 intergalactic destinations to revisit. For one, the bleak commercial landscape ravaged by depressed economy and then the growing political unrest had not been inviting. Then too, the rumors had been growing rapidly and become violent. Finally, the rows of indistinguishable residential housing that seemed to be ubiquitous was much less than spectacular. To top things off, the humidity and punishing winds made a horrid combination. She focused instead on the team's expedition. While the afternoon had seemed very, very long, at the same time, it had seemed to flown by. Now their mission team was to reconvene at their makeshift base on Colony 555. Okay, let's be honest. The mission team was just herself, Phil, and his pocket full of guards. Yeah. They were holograms that served as a security team. And guess what? Holograms don't have to fight the wind like mere mortals do. Such as they were, the mission team humans struggled back to their home base. Once inside the transitional environmental space, they each pulled off their breathing apparatus. They needed this time to reconnoiter, share information, process, strategize, and just plain breathe. In the midst of the essential activities, they also needed to scavenge up some sort of food and figure out sleeping arrangements. Phil was ravenously hungry. Consequently, the task of identifying possible food supplies was left to him. He knew Bridget well enough to know that she was not going to care what was put in front of her, and he also knew his her preferences well enough. Tonight, she would be so engrossed in the mission, she would barely know what she had eaten. Even from the gleaming kitchen, Phil could see Bridget working at the central table. She was linking together their devices. No doubt, Bridget was managing the data, merging it so that she could begin to run the analysis. Phil wondered, if the whole space fell down around them, would she even notice at this point? She'd probably hear maybe a thud, but would she notice that all the lights went out? Well, he didn't know her vision 
acuity really that well to answer that one. Bridget's head suddenly snapped up and she glanced around the room as if waking up. She was looking around frantically and she said, Phil, Phil, where are you? Have you seen this data yet? Do you realize what we have here? Where are you in blazing stars? Where are you? That's it for now. Thank you, Kathy. Okay, let's go to Patty. Patty Fletcher. Hello. I have uh, some poems to read. And this first one is called Ever Lost in the Moment. It was written in 2018 and then revised later for an anthology called Passions. The scorching wind roared above the peaks. Waves pounded the steep cliffs below. Standing there, bare toes clinging to the wet rocks, their faces cast by the spray. He seeing her there, close to the edge, she hearing him there, breathing the dank, salted air, he drinking her in, his senses catching fire, she scenting him there, turning to him, her mouth pointing, opening in a gorgeous smile. They knew they would be ever lost in the moment. The next one is Grandfather Tree Speaks. This also is in the Treasures 3 Passions Anthology. As I walk beside the lake, my time I do take. I meditate and share my thoughts by the crisp winter's air. Then my rest I take underneath this loving old tree who without complaint shelters me. My hands I lay upon the bark. Here there is light, I fear no dark. I ask this old grandfather tree, do you know of my long ago grandmother tree? His leaves in the wind they do shake, a whispering sound he does make. I can hear him say, Yes, I do know your grandmother tree from long ago, and if you listen to the leaves shake, a message you will hear. And so I rested silently in the glow of the sunlight, and soon I found that grandfather tree was right. For as the leaves whispered from far away, I did hear grandmother say, Hello, my friend, I am still here, so never fear. I have not forgotten you or the love and kindness you gave to me. And so with that, I did rise, giving a contented sigh. I said to Grandfather Tree, thank you, kind sir, for sheltering and loving me. Again, his leaves in the winter wind they did shake and gave a message to me to take. 
when you partake of the land, do hear and obey this simple command. Be wary of the older tree and keep treat them kind if you please. For we are important too. And if you allow, we've much to share with you. The last one and my most favorite. Once upon a time long ago, when you were very small, you know, in the morning's early dawn, you were born. But all too soon from your mother, you were torn. You were sent to live with a family far away. With them, you thought you would forever stay. You learned the neatest and most awesome tricks, so much more than chasing sticks. You learned to sit, to rest, to lay. You learned to obey in every way. You did these things so very well, and every day you grew. All too soon, your life changed again. And you made another new friend. He was your teacher, your very own guide. Would you forever walk by his side? No, this was not to be. You learned all you could for him. And then you were given to me. Fast we became best of friends. And it is with me you will stay until our work together ends. In honor of guide dogs, puppy raisers, and guide dogs, instructors everywhere. And King Campbell. Thank you. Thank you, Patty. And next up, we have Jane. Hi there. I'm starting a story. My goal is that it be less than 300 words. I want to compare eyes and ears through the equipment we use to enhance or protect either one. So here goes. I have it outlined. I'm going to say it to you, but I have not finished writing it. Standing in our front yard doorway at the edge of the porch, my twin sister and I reached up, slipped our glasses from our faces. Oh, how we hated wearing glasses. But we had learned early on to always take them off and put them in certain places so we could find them, thus avoiding parental or siblings. Wear your glasses. We walked out the front yard, turned left, came to the corner of the garage and the empty, weed-filled lot. Are you ready, Mary? Yes. Are you ready, Jane? Yes. Back went our arms, up went our hands, and whoo! Our glasses flew into the empty lot. We went on about our business, and when our mother came home from work, she said, Hi, Jane. Then came the dreaded question, Where are your glasses? I don't know. I'll go look on my dresser. I'll look by the TV. And nowhere did our glasses turn up. Finally, mother 
prevailed and said, all right, who's going to tell me what happened? Mary did. She told her, and mother, who was nothing less than smart, got a plastic drinking cup and got one for each of us, I should say, and walked out to where Mary Lee and I showed her we go the other way, just do it. We threw them and then we had to go crawl around and we found our blasted glasses. Never again did we try to uh, get rid of them. However, 70 years later, I now wear hearing aids to help me hear and to protect the hearing I have. I also have an iPhone. I also have Bluetooth connection. My iPhone is paired through Bluetooth with my hearing aids. If I put my phone down and walk away to help somebody or do something, and my phone rings, it rings right there in my ears. I can't find my phone. So the other day, I'm looking at my phone, and I think, oh, I'll call it up with my landline. And I did. And it rang and rang in my ears, and I'm slapping my head and slapping my ears, going, where's my phone? I finally put my hearing aids away, dialed my iPhone again from the landline, and then I could hear it sitting within three feet of me on the work table where I am right now. That's all I've outlined, and that's more than 300 words, I believe, just by the feel of the count, but I've got to figure out. My point is, keep your stuff where you can find it. I don't know. But anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you, Jane. Next up, we have area code 919. This is Debbie from Raleigh. Wake up, wake up, whatever you do. I can't sleep, so why should you? We do have, we did get a hands, Nora's iPad. Yeah, hello. Roses are red, violets are blue. I am so sweet and so are you. <laughs> Thanks, Nora. I... You are sweet. We love, love you. you. Thank you. Love you all too. I was going to share a little bit about the prompt that we have this week a story. One time I shared, and it's also in the anthology that Marlene has just published about the last rainbow that I saw. I was driving my car. It was so vivid. I crossed over the bridge. I stopped and just was in awe over these colors. So it's been 30 years that I have not seen a rainbow. People have tried to show me one. Somebody sent me a picture once, but it was so faded I couldn't see it. And I was on vacation down in South Carolina, and we had a short rainstorm, and my husband brought me out on the balcony, and for the first time in 30 years, I saw a rainbow. Some of it had started to fade, so it didn't go all the way over to the other end, but it was curved quite a bit. It wasn't as bright, but I was able to see a little bit of the colors, and it was out over the ocean. That's what has motivated me for the prompt that we have coming up this week, which will be 75 words or less, using the words wind, sand, and rain. That's it.
Thanks, Kathy. Mm -hmm. Just wondering if there's any responses to what we've listened to today. I've really enjoyed the session. If anybody wants to mention anything, anybody wants to raise a hand. I enjoyed mm -hmm. the poetry. I enjoyed the variety of what was read. Mm -hmm. Where yeah. it's always just such a pleasure to hear the talent in our group. Mm -hmm. First up, we have Lisa G. I was great story. Thank you for the stories, the poems, the sharing, the giving of yourself, uh, each of you. I really appreciate that. And I would like just to offer a suggestion for the, when you use your Bluetooth with hearing aids, what you can do is you can, and I don't know if you know this, but you can say if it's an iPhone. You can say, hey, Siri, turn off Bluetooth. Hey, Siri, turn off Wi-Fi, turn on Wi-Fi, which I recently learned. So you can ask Siri to turn off your Bluetooth and then call yourself and then to ask Siri to turn it back on. Thank you. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks. Next up, we have Nora followed by Marlene Massat. Yeah. Hi, everyone, again. And I want to compliment you on all of you for a wonderful talent poems and stories, and I really enjoy them all. You did a wonderful, wonderful job. And Thank you, next... Nora. Oh, and, and I also want to say congratulations to everybody that read. It's a challenge for our community. I was, this is Kathy, I was nervous today. I practiced several times, but I was nervous. It takes putting ourselves out there to do this. And so we recognize that with everybody that we're all finding different ways to be able to do this, uh, present our work. So congratulations to everybody. Who's next? Marlene Massat, followed by Christine Amston. Um, I wanted to ask Christine, how in the world are you able to read so fast? I use magnification. I have sight in one eye and I, I just can't read fast at all. If you don't mind. <laughs> um, no, that's okay. Um, well, I practice a lot, and I've got um, I've got a pretty good memory. So um, a lot of what I'm reading, I've, I have the words in front of me, but I also just kind of do it half from memory and half reading, if that makes any sense. But I've also got a setup, and I'm going to try and describe this to you because I was thinking last week I got a question about this, and maybe other people are using laptops or something else. I I'm at a desktop computer, and my monitor, which is a big monitor is on an arm that comes out to be just inches from my face. My keyboard is actually below and behind it so that when I type, I'm under my monitor and the and this screen is just right in my face. So when I'm um, reading something like this, I'm, it's not just that I'm using the magnification. It's not just that I'm using good contrast. I'm actually also very close to it. Does that make sense? And of course, everyone's vision is different on and on this call. There's some people with a lot worse um, and, and, and more restrictions than me, but um, uh, that's how I do it. <laughs> that's very helpful description there, uh, Christine. Thank you. Sure. Uh, and I had had my hand raised just because I am in awe of the poets on the, uh, especially the poets. I mean, everybody did a wonderful job, but um, some of you uh, are just amazing. And the singers, um, I am in awe. You've done a wonderful job. I'm struggling with the names, though. Could somebody, um, is there going to be like, um, is there a way we'll to get the, the yes. names? <laughs> when, we post, when we post the podcast for the open uh -huh. mic, we'll have show notes. Everybody's name will be listed. 
Oh, good. Because I want to associate people with their awesome work. Mm -hmm. And I don't quite have it. (laughs) Thank you. Sure. And next up, we have Patty Fletcher. Uh, First of all, I would just like to say to Abby, that was amazing. And why have you not ever done that when I ask you to read on my podcast? But anyway, um, so (laughs) that was great. But I would just like to say to all of you talented people, whether you are published officially or not, the Writer's Grapevine magazine is now open for summer solstice submissions, and we will be taking them until the 3rd of June. And I so very much want people, this is free, so please reach out to me. You can go to my blog at pattysworlds.com, P-A-T-T-Y-S-W-O-R-L-D-S. You can see my submission guidelines there, and there's a contact form. You can reach out to me if you need help, whatever, and I will email you back and tell you exactly what I need from you. And we have a ton of categories. If you've not read the magazine, I will send you a copy of that because I do ask people to read it before they submit, just so that you know what we're looking for. Um, so really want all of this new, wonderful, new, old, and in-between talent in my magazine. I'm out here just looking for talent, and I walked into it today. So thank you very much. And I was terrified to read. I I was absolutely terrified to read. So I did it anyway. So thank you very much. Thank you, Patty. Thank you for sharing that. Not only the opportunity to publish with your group and the very excellent way that you're modeling how we submit, reading guidelines, seeing what the publication looks like so that you can fit it, etc. But also sharing being nervous uh, about Mm -hmm. reading. I think it's important that we're honest about that so that Mm -hmm. others don't think, oh, if I'm nervous, I'm not ready. This is putting ourselves out there. And it's a it's a very hard piece to overcome. And Cheryl and I've been doing this show for two years. And I still when it comes to reading my own work, which is different than the script, it, it's mm-hmm. tough. It's very yeah. tough. So, Me too. Yeah. So it's uh, it's important for us to share this in the community with one another. Congratulations to everybody that participated. We mm-hmm. appreciate the work that was involved in creating your creative work, but also preparing to share your work with us. The prompt for, ne- for the next time is wind, sand, and rain, 75 words or less. Have a ball. Have fun. Kathy? And I'll just share real briefly. I just came back. Cheryl was in Myrtle Beach. I was in Dominican Republic. And I have had my fill of the wind, (laughs) the breeze, the rain, the sun. No rain. No. Uh, The wind, the breeze, the sand, the sun, the warm water. It was gorgeous. Couldn't have asked for more. It was a terrific week in Punta Cana, Dominican Republic. So came back very refreshed. And I'm actually hoping for a return trip this summer. As we're headed off, thank you, everybody, for making this a successful show. We really appreciate your participation as a listener, as a reader, as a singer, as a poet, whatever role you played, our host, our technical team, everybody involved. What a fantastic group. Come back and join us again in two weeks. We're on the first and third Fridays of the month in two weeks, June 2nd, 
We have a special guest interview, Sandy Kimmel. She's a singer-songwriter and an author. So we're very excited to have her on Writing Works Wonders. That'll be June 2nd. Be sure to visit writingworkswonders.com for these show notes and other resources. Above all else, we want you to be encouraged, inspired, and enjoy the wonders of writing. We look forward to being with all of you next time. First off, I want to thank Cassie and Cheryl for two years of doing this and just encouraging us and supporting us and enlightening us and giving us a platform for people to share. It's just so wonderful. You really, the two of you, you put so much time and effort into this. Thank you so, so, so much. Thank you, mm-hmm. Chanel. You always do such a fabulous job. You, mm-hmm. you are just amazing, too. And thank you so much. I didn't mean to leave you out. Thank you. You really helped You're keep good. it all together. Thank you for joining us today on Writing Works Wonders. Kathy and I are thrilled to spend time with you. A tap on that button that says subscribe so you will not miss our show. You can also tap on the link for writingworkswonders.com. It'll take you directly to all the show notes and information that we shared today. Then you can sign up to receive the Zoom link so that you can be live with us when we are recording. You can also contact us at info at writingworkswonders.com. Our phone number is 347-467-0221. We also have a donate button. All donations go to technical expenses that Kathy and I incur in order to keep this podcast going. Kathy and I want you to feel encouraged and inspired and know the wonder in writing. And until next time, our friends, keep on writing. Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.